Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, Grinders. Yeah, I almost forgot my own intro, right? I was going to say welcome, welcome, welcome. No, it should be good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. This is uh, the show where uh, we go over last night's slate. We talk a little bit about strategy. We take a first look of uh, today's uh, five-game NBA slate. And as always in NBA, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. This is what we do. Mondays through Fridays here on Roto Grinders. I'm here 11 o'clock every weekday. You can subscribe on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the notification bell to let you know when we go live. And uh, this this is what I do every morning. So it's it's the NBA. We all know, even though it's a five-game slate today, right? It's a five-game slate. Uh, maybe there isn't as much news throughout the day, but we know that anything that we look at at 11 o'clock in the morning, by, by 6 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, you could just uh, just rip it up, throw it out. It doesn't matter. We saw that yesterday, right? We saw it yesterday. We see the, I see the people in the chat. Feel free. If you're on YouTube, as always, hit that thumbs up button, thummy thumb. Give me the thummy thumbs, right? Keep the apple juice cold, right? Makes no sense, but do it anyway. Uh, I see the people in the chat. Feel free to type in and, and ask whatever whatever strategy questions, questions about the tools here at Roto-Grinders. This is, this is kind of a teaching session. We're, we're, going, we're going to school here uh, every morning. Here on Roto Grinders, so I see I see the people in the chat. I see Card Fan, I see Heat Nation, I see Frederick Duke, Jim Steele, KJ, Chris Clark, Mike B. We got we got the thummy thumbs going. We got all of them going. And uh, and and yesterday, yesterday the thummy thumbs, the thummy thumbs. If you if you if you stack the Warriors Kings game, you got a thumb right in your you know what. You got a thumb right in your you know what. Well, maybe Curry was fine, right? Ubre was okay. But pretty much, uh, they, you know, they blew out the Kings. So the Kings were kind of chalky. And uh, and I got kind of lucky. So uh, I also show uh, transparently. I'm, I'm 100% transparent. So uh, I, I do have a spreadsheet. I'll bring it up right now. I'm also the producer of the show. So I have to also click on things and do stuff like that. Okay, let me extend this to make sure. I, oh, I have to make sure that, that, it's, that the Zoom is in so you can see it, so you guys can see it. But I track my cash game play, which is cash games if you don't know. If you're new here, if you're new to DFS, cash games refers to, it's like a poker term. It refers to -to head-to-heads, double-ups, triple-ups, quintuple-ups, you know, three-mans, things where you don't have to get a million points, right? You're just trying to beat one person. You're trying to come in the top half of a contest and you get double your money or, you know, 50% of the field cashes 1.8x. And, uh, and I track it on, on a spreadsheet that uh, I do have a link to. Uh, it's not in the description, but uh, you, if you follow me on Twitter or you're in the RG Discord, uh, you could see it. Uh, I mean, I, I show this every day anyway. But yesterday, yesterday, good good day on DraftKings, good day on FanDuel, uh, not so much on Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo, I had Exum and Holmes, so that was a thummy thumb down uh, for that. Uh, DraftKings, I did have Exum, but I got incredibly lucky. So, uh, so this, this $880 over here, that's, that's like a gift. Thank you, Rashawn Holmes and the foul trouble. Uh, he was 60% on cash games that I didn't have him. Uh, so, so that did well. FanDuel had Osman. So, so that obviously did well. So, so this, this, just to show you, I, I do this just to show you, because most people, most people don't know how, how, uh, how, how, how sharper cash players, I guess I would consider myself a sharper cash player or sharper player in general, just like shows their work, shows their results. Now I I track all this stuff in Roto Tracker as it is. 
right? This, you could get this if you have a rotor tracker. Uh, uh, Rotogrinders used to have RG Analyzer. Hopefully, it comes back at some point. Where you could just import your 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 CSVs, your contest CSVs from from DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, anywhere, and it'll show you like where where, you, where you're doing well, where you're not doing well, your finishing position, stuff like that. But uh, in order to, it's it, you can't really share Roto Tracker with other people. I could share a graph, I could share a screen, but uh, like not, not the whole thing without giving you my login, and I'm not doing that because then you'll be uploading CSVs for who knows what, and then it's all it's all it's all garbage. So uh, I track it here just just to show you the progression. Like you're not going to win every night, right? Your goal is to win 55 plus percent of the time, right? You could beat the rake, winning you know you get around 10 percent rake. Obviously, the higher up you go, the rate comes down a little. Uh, and, and see the progression. You, you, I, I wager 10% of my bankroll, of my $20,000 cash bankroll for this uh, NBA season. Uh, and then about 60% head-to-heads, 35% double-ups, 5% triple-ups, three-mans, you know, those types of things for a little bit of upside. And then I, I track it on every site, and I just enter it. And, you know, I, I put my score here just so you know that I'm transparent. These, these are the scores, what the slate size is. Because uh, smaller slates have more variance and larger slates have uh, less variance. Uh, and then there you go. So so doing 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 well on DK now, doing extremely well on FanDuel. Uh, Yahoo, not so much, five and six. But uh, it's hard to get volume on, on Yahoo without like just playing six mans against other sharp players. So I don't, I don't, I don't devote that much bankroll to it, right? So I, I have a nice little split here. So tonight I'll, if I'm uh, wagering 10%, if my bankroll is 28,439, that means I'm going to be playing around 2,800, 2,900 combined amongst all the sites. So you can see here, when you play multiple sites in cash games, you, you get to kind of semi-hedge because you're playing different players on different sites depending on the positions, the salaries. So for instance, like I played Holmes on Yahoo, but not on DraftKings. And then on other days, you know, you play, you're playing, uh, you know, you're playing Curry in your lineup, but you're not playing Curry on this site. So like you try to balance it out. So you may lose on one site, you win on another site, it kind of kind of ends up becoming a wash to some extent. So you're not going through these these ridiculous swings. So just always want to point this out. Uh we got people in the chat. Feel free to type any questions. I'll throw it up on the screen. Uh right here he goes, like Justin Sports, right here. Oh, I gotta I gotta move this up over here. Okay. There you go. So that, that's much better because I don't want it to cover my face. Ah, my beautiful face. It's covering my face. Okay, no. I'll move the comment up here. I've been playing six years and profitable uh, and still massively struggle with bankroll management and even really building a bankroll. Well, I mean, if you've been profitable over six years, like you're part of like the top like 5%, top 2% of all DFS players. So, I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. I mean, most, most people lose lifetime at this game, but 90 plus percent of people are losers lifetime. But as far as bankroll management is that you, you have to, you have to match the risk with the edge. Okay. Now with a, you need a large sample size to determine whether or not like you have an edge in this game. And then you also have to determine, uh, what the variance is in certain contests. Okay. So like double ups, head to heads, like there's going to be lower variance because, you know, if, if you have an edge, you're going to win 60% of the time, 62% of the time. If you're elite, 64, 65% of the time. So you're still going to lose like 40% of the time around if you have an edge. Now in GPPs, if you're playing large field stuff versus small field stuff, small field stuff, maybe you catch a little bit more often. Maybe you come in the top five spots a little bit more often. 
but your edge may be actually small because you're playing against a lot of other sharper players. Uh, but in the large field contests, a lot of times you go down to the bottom 20% of those contests, you'll see lineups that you're just amazed how people put it together. It's almost as like people just took their heads, banged them against the keyboard, and whatever whatever players came out, or, you know, they just, they butt-dialed, they kind of like butt-dialed their lineup in, on their phone. Uh, so there's there's a lot of edge in those contests, but it's very hard to win those, right? It's very hard to realize your EV. You can build great lineups over and over and over again, come close, come close, not get there, and it may take you a long time to realize your EV in one shot, which is basically winning the thing. So you may have an immense amount of edge, but without proper bankroll management, you'll ne- you'll never survive to actually realize it. If you're if you're playing 20% of your bankroll in large field GPPs every day, like you're more likely to go broke unless you have some red- unless you have an edge that is unheard of in DFS, which there is none. Uh, your, your, your risk of ruin is going to be extremely high. So there, there's a thing called the Kelly criterion. Now, Kel, the Kelly formula, I mean, I could even bring it up. Like the Kelly formula, since we're talking about it, Kelly criterion calculator. Like the Kelly criterion is just, uh, you know, you, you put in your edge, you know, on a bet, you know, and, and it'll tell you based on the probability, like what, what your, what, what your, your optimal bet size would be, your optimal wager for the slate. Uh, now, this is good in games such as, you know, like a blackjack, a, game, a card game, a game that has, that has uh, like, very fixed probabilities. Like, you could determine that easily, what your edge is. But in DFS, it's, it's, very, it's very hard. I mean, you could play well for a month and lose. And, like, do, do I have an edge? Do I not have an edge? It's very hard to determine exactly what your edge is. And even over a six-year sample size, like, that, that the standard deviation of, of what your ROI is is still, still quite, quite large. So, you know, you, you, could, you could be a losing player for six years and actually have, like, a 3% edge based on the way that you play, just that you did bad variance over that whole long period of time, and vice versa. I mean, a lot of people, I think that the number one thing that, that people do in DFS is uh, they, they get in, they play for a little bit, and after a month, like, they do well. They hit, like, a second, third place or something like that, and then they think they're great, right? So, like, well, I'm great at this. I'm going to start, you know, I started with a $500 bankroll, but now that I have $5,000, I'm going to play like $1,000 today. And I'm going to play $1,500 tomorrow. I'm going to enter the high stakes contest. And it's like, no, no, variance is going to just slap your ass down. And, and you're, you're probably, your edge is not that high, if it exists at all, that you should be risking that much uh, on every single slate. And, uh, and of course, I, I'm, I'm conservative. So like, I lean on more of the side of, of, like, when I have a big enough bankroll, I have a $200,000 bankroll. Like, like I, I can't handle $20,000 swings on a weekly basis. So, so like, I, I'm 41. I have a nice lifestyle. Uh, I, I don't need to make all the money. If I, if I, could, if I, if I take a look here at my, my cash bankroll tracker, like, I'm up right now on the season in cash games, $8,400. Like, that's great! Holy God, that's great, right? Can I make, can I make this every month? Like, I'm good. Like, like, if I could, and this is eventually going to come up and down. This, the, the swings, you can see the red here. It's going to go up, it's going to go down, you're going to lose. I'm going to lose a grand on a day. I'm going to win 1600 on a day. It's going to go up and down. I'm, this is like an investment. So just like you'd put money into a stock portfolio, like you're not sweating out the daily, you know, changes in the Dow Jones 
Like, you know, I put this in and I'll take a look at it in six months, right? Like, I don't care how it got there, right? I'm not, I'm not sweating these, these swings as much. So, like, like, yeah, there were certain days. Like, oh, the 26th, I lost $1,100 on DraftKings. Oh, my God, the world is over. It's like, dude, like, if I just woke up today after starting playing and said, I'm up $8,400, like, I'll take, uh, what, what, uh, the, the swings, the swings don't matter. So don't, don't get all wrapped up necessarily in that. Just play well, uh, manage your bankroll as, as effectively as you can, and then do, don't f- have the fear of missing out. Don't be like, oh, well, I do want to play the 777 today. Well, then don't play it. You don't have to. Right, well, I normally play this, but it's a two-game slate, and two-game slates could have immense amount of variance. Maybe maybe you're not entering 100 lineups. Maybe you're not playing the mini-map. Maybe you're taking the slate off. It's perfectly fine to just uh, just say, uh, I'm not feeling it today. I don't, think, uh, I don't think I could build plus EV lineups, or I don't think there's an edge in doing so. I think everyone is going to kind of know what they're doing, and then you just, don't, you just don't play that day, right? You don't have to play, right? I know that we're on Roto Grinders, and we, typically the type of people that are listening to the show, watching on YouTube, and of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. Uh, are, are a little bit, a little bit higher than casual, a little bit more regular players. But uh, you need to be able to survive, especially if you're a GPP player. Like you need to be able to survive to get to those big wins, right? If you're, if you're not going to survive, if you're not going to build up a large sample size, you could be the greatest of player and just be just to have no bankroll. And that, and that's, that's why it's so important. There's no trick to it. And there's no bankroll management strategy that could, uh, save a losing player. So like just build good lineups, play well and survive until you get your big hit. So that, that, that's, that would be my suggestion, but also looking through the chat. Uh, yeah. Frederick is asking, I am playing one lineup per site. Yes. For, for cash games, I are, uh, let's see J 10. That's going off the screen. The, the, all, the, all these chat boxes that come up on my, my broadcast software are always in different sizes. When playing the $25 double ups, what contest selection to partake in? Do you, I, I try to play the largest double ups that, that I can. Instead of the 22 mans, I try to play the, the 113 man $50 double ups. Like if I'm going to play the $5 double ups, I want the 124s or the 62s versus the 23s. Right, you're paying about the same rate, but I, I just want more access to more opponents. I want to diversify as many opponents that I'm playing. So in head dads, I'm playing $25 head dads, $2010 head dads, $10, $20 head dads, $550 head dads. I want as many, many different opponents as possible. I don't want all my risks to be in like one lot one contest, one lineup, and just the switch. Someone someone man someone rostered, you know. Some some guy that goes off at eight percent owned, but he happens to be in my thousand dollar head to head. Well, I'm going to lose that day. So so I I kind of want as much diversification as possible. I have a question: At what point do you cash out? <laughs> it the the bankroll that doesn't mean what's in your DraftKings or FanDuel account. It just means the money that you've set aside. It's like an investment. The money that you have in your Vanguard account, right? It's it's, it's the same thing as as an investment. So it's not. Like, I don't necessarily have, like, I don't have $200,000 on the sites because it, it serves no purpose. I mean, they're making interest off of it and I'm not. So, like, I'd rather I keep my money in a separate place and then load it on when I need to, take it off when I do. You know, I win a GPP for 50000 Now, okay, send me a $40,000 check and leave $10,000 on the site. 
you know, as I play. And then if that goes down too much, and then I add 5,000, take out 5,000. I mean, you could do it, you could do it all day. I didn't realize we we're going to talk so much about, uh, you know, the, the day-to-day play of, uh, of uh, I guess what you call a pro DFS player. Am I a pro DFS player? Does that, does it count? I mean, it's a majority of my income, but but I, I guess so. I guess so. If you if you want to talk about that, that's that's what these shows are all about in the morning. I know we 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 bring up results DB. We could start talking about last night's slate, which we will. Uh, but but it kind of goes whatever way the chat goes. If you're here live, you come first, okay? I know some people you'll be listening on 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 iTunes on the podcast, and if you're listening on the podcast version, the pregame show feed on iTunes, subscribe to that and and rate and review it. Right, if you like it, it, it used to be the Daily Fantasy Fix feed, so that it, it's all the reviews of how how people didn't like Dan. Right, <laughs> I, or plenty of people like Dan, but it's like from five years ago. I, I I need I need reviews on iTunes that say that you like me, or maybe you don't like me, or whatever, whatever. Rate and review on iTunes, but but if you show up live weekdays eleven in the morning here on Roto Grinders YouTube, uh, you you get priority. So if you if you if you have questions, I have answers. So uh, if if you're listening. And later, and and maybe 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 you're at work. Maybe you have a day off, eleven in the morning. Maybe maybe you're at work and you're 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 watching this instead of doing your work. That's perfectly fine. Join us in the YouTube chat and uh, and and ask your questions. Okay. Daniel Johnson says playing cash games is the missionary position of DFS. Well, that's what some people think, but to me, it's a way to stabilize my GPP play. Okay, let's see. Going through the chat, I'm just I'm just scrolling through. Feel free to type in. Uh, Tim Moyer asked about uh, uh, thanks for the show. Would love to hear more thoughts on the difficulties of predicting ownership. NFL is much easier to predict for me. NBA has been hard. NBA is quite hard because late news changes everything, right? Garland got ruled out yesterday, right? We had Fournier ruled out. Garland got ruled out. Then Powell wasn't going to play. Then Olenek was in the starting lineup. I mean, we had we had a lot of stuff going on, right? Marcus Smart was ruled out a little bit earlier than that. And then we have, obviously, early in the day, Blake Griffin and Josh Jackson were ruled out. So, like, that changes everything. If you calculated ownership at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, like, it's nowhere near what it is by the time lock hits, right? So that's what makes it hard. NFL, you have, like, a whole week, right? It rarely happens that you have something at 11.30 when inactives come out on Sunday morning that like dramatically skews ownership. Okay. Brian C asked strategy question. When it comes to before lock news, it's like Cauley Stein starting last night and Ellington in the Pistons starting lineup. Do you just do you just jam them in because they're cheap or how do you determine what's a good play or not? Well, uh, well obviously if you if you have your own projections, you'd be putting that in and seeing whether or not, you know, whether or not they're a good play, point per dollar value. Uh but I'm more likely to to jam late news in NBA the further it the late the later it is, right? I'm more likely. Doesn't mean I do, but I'm more likely. If we, I mean, like the Blake Griffin news we got earlier in the day, like um, nearly the entire field has adjusted for that. But we could see in sharper players' builds. I have the shoot around special from last night, the big 150 GPP, uh, Maswa one, and we got a, a bunch of a bunch of good good 150. Multi, multi-entry multi players, and you could see how they reacted to late news because, I mean, we take a look here, Kelly Olenek, a lot of, some people didn't, but, I mean, several players just jammed in Olenek when he's starting, but, of course, it's Spolstra, 
right? Spolstra for the Heat. Sometimes he starts a guy, plays six minutes, and you never see the court again. So this was a, this was a higher risk situation, but you were rewarded for it. Kelly Olynyk ended up at at ten point six percent owned, and uh, put up thirty two points for what thirty nine hundred. So that's a nice uh, nice eight x type of score. So you see some 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 uh, sharper players jam that. Some sharper players. I see uh, Willie Cauley Stein down here. Right, because once Kleber and Willie Cauley Stein started, that that's basically a sign that Dwight Powell wasn't going to play, right? Pretty much, right? Typically he would start, uh, but it's a back to back, and they just decided to rest Powell, even not making him inactive, but just not playing him. We saw that with Delon Wright; people were tilting that, right? People played Delon Wright, and then it doesn't get in until until uh, Killian Hayes gets injured. But uh, but you see sharper players, a lot of them, not every one jammed in the late news and those were cheap centers right we had a slate where the where the the popular construction had Holmes at center or capella or both some wood i guess some wood ownership wood Holmes, capella so if you were if you were able to get even cheaper centers you were then able to pay up for a luca harden Giannis, those types so we see in all of these these sharp, sharper players builds that like played Olenek. So we have Olenek here for Maswa. And where's Cauley Stein? 12% Cauley Stein. Yeah, but you can't fit in both, right? All of these types of builds, I, we could probably look and see, you know, t- a lot of Tatum, like higher priced players in other spots. Luca, like Luca got a whole bunch of ownership because uh, Curry was going to be popular, right? Because we had Curry high owned. And it didn't mean that, that, these guys didn't play him, right? Still plenty, plenty of curry. But once you could jam in two cheap centers, then you could pay up at multiple spots. And the and the most leverage that you had was on Curry's ownership. So playing a guard that's above Curry. So Harden, so Luca, things like that. Kind of hard to get different in the small forward power forward spots because it, it, it was quite barren. So you probably paid up for Tatum, who had a who had a great game. Or you played uh, Harrison Barnes in the mid-range. Or you played Jalen Brown instead of Tatum. Uh, maybe Tobias Harris, but not much of him. Obviously, we had Damian Dotson as a value play when uh, when Garland was ruled out. So Dotson or Exum. And obviously, the whole dynamic of that j- uh, game changed when Exum got injured in the first minute. Because now, now the Cavs had like almost no rotation. So Osman had to play a ton, and Dotson had to play a ton, and Sexton had to play a ton, and then they got blown out anyway. So it didn't, didn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, we also saw Burks get ruled out, so they had, you know, Peyton didn't even play the fourth quarter. Quickly was playing so well, but Peyton had a great game heading into his, his third quarter rotation and then just never came back. So he got stuck on 28, but I mean, he was on the road to a 40-point game right there. So if you if you played him, that, that was pretty good. Kleber, obviously you could have played him as a cheap center power forward play. But you see here, even Tremont Waters, like a bunch of people played Tremont Waters. I did, you could see, look, look at this. Before, before the slate, uh, uh, earlier in the day, we had Teague ruled out. Okay, when Teague was ruled out, it bumped up the projection for Peyton Pritchard. It was almost expected that Pritchard would start, right? And get like, I don't know, 28 to 32 minutes, which at his salary at 3,700 would be great, right? And then we saw the Celtics starting lineup and Tremont Waters was going to start. Now, do you expect Waters to get much usage in the first unit with uh, Tatum and Brown out there? Probably not. 
But uh, but we had a bunch of people uh, take a shot on Waters because of the late news. So yeah, so we see Maswet 48%, JBC 28%, Bills fan 28%. You have to had none, but people had some Tremont Waters. But that also lowered the median minutes for Peyton Pritchard. Because then it really doesn't change Pritchard's role. Other than, yes, he'll get good second unit usage. Uh, so a lot of sharper players actually went down on Pritchard. So we see here Bills fan, zero. JK, zero. Kobe, 1.3%. Hafner, 4%. 4%. Even this was lower. I mean, Brick was 22%. 30% from Maswell, which is still lower than his 31.39%. The different, the problem is, is that that Boston blew him out and Pritchard just played the whole fourth quarter. So yeah, so he got there. Do I consider that lucky? Do I think that Pritchard was a bad play? No. But once Waters was announced in the starting lineup, you have to bump down those minutes, at least two or three minutes from Pritchard, which took him from a good value play to a, okay, you can play him, right? He wasn't, he wasn't bad. Just that, okay, you could play him. But I mean, when he's, when he's 31% owned, maybe that's, maybe that's fadeable in certain lineups. Same for Sadiq Bey, right? He didn't really get there, right? He didn't really do much on the floor. So, you know, but the, the, the small forward, power forward position last night was not many projected well, right? You either had to like pay down and play someone like Sadiq Bey or pay up and play someone like Tatum. Obviously, if you paid up and played Tatum, uh, you, you did much better. But uh, it, I, I don't fault it for anyone that built constructions with Sadiq Bey and they have a snowflake in a great lineup. I, I'm assuming a lot of you out there had... Lineups that had seven flame emojis and Sadiq Bey with the snowflake. And you're like, oh, if I could only get 20 more points, I would have won the GPP. But uh, if you take a look at, at sharp players' lineups across across the board, uh, they did the same thing. So so you didn't do anything stupid by playing Sadiq Bey uh, last night. But obviously his upside is limited. If you, I, I tried to find constructions that I didn't need him. But it, it was very hard to do in that small forward spot. I played some Dwayne Bacon instead. That didn't really get there either. But uh, but yeah, small forward was was not the best of positions yesterday. Uh, going through the YouTube chat, as always, uh, doesn't mean I'm not paying attention. I just scroll through. So if you have a question, maybe I get to it. So uh, so I, I'm not I'm not viewing it like in real time as I, as I speak. So uh, what while while you. While you ask your questions and type in the chat, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Milo Kaminsky, would you have done anything differently yesterday in GPPs after seeing actual ownership besides picking the players that would win you a GPP? Yeah, this is the way that you should be thinking. Like, had I known this guy was going to be this owned, I wouldn't have played him. Or had I known he would have been this low owned, I would have played him. Right? Because that's really what you're comparing things in, in GPP for a specific player. Like, is this player, a, is this, does this player project well? And does his projection match his ownership? Is he going to be under-owned for his ceiling or over-owned for his ceiling? So I think his <coughs> own, like, Capella, I knew it was going to be popular. Like, uh, I didn't expect, like, it's a lot of this Holmes ownership it seemed like more people, when they went to Olenek or Cauley Stein, t- went away from Holmes unless so Capella. That that's what I noticed because I thought Holmes would come in way higher, 
Uh, not, not saying that I, oh, now I would have played so much of him. But uh, I was expecting Holmes to be uh, over 30% and Capella to be around 30%. So that kind of get a little flipped. But I'm assuming it was due to the, the Willie Kalzikstein and Kelly Olenek ownership. I mean, it wasn't much, but you take 10% Olenek and, and, and what, 5% or something, 3% Kelly Stein. Like, you, it has to come from somewhere. So it, it seemed to come out more of Holmes' ownership than Capella's ownership. Like, I was playing Capella in lineups where I'm playing, like, Randall, Peyton, those guys. Holmes, like, most likely you're playing Curry in that lineup. So I can understand not playing Holmes. Because you, if you're going to play Curry, and I, let's say you wanted to fit in, you're like, okay, I have Capella and Holmes in my lineup. And I want to fit in uh, Willie Cauley-Stein or Kelly Olynyk, But you only have two center slots on DraftKings. So you have your center slot and a utility slot, but you can only have two slots to fit them in. Uh, who do you take out? Well, Curry and Holmes, uh, like, those are the chalky guys. Capella's the chalky guy, but if you're not playing Peyton or Randall on that lineup, maybe you just don't play any part of that game. So maybe, maybe the more likely scenario is that you take out Capella and then you, you put in Willie Cauley-Stein or Olenek in that lineup. But in a lineup that doesn't have Curry and it has Holmes, it makes more sense to take out Holmes. So you don't have as much of the Kings-Warriors game. So think of those types of... When you're trying to make those 50-50 decisions, I typically lean on, one, who's the, who's the higher projected, two, uh, who is lower owned, or three, who's more correlated to your lineup or not correlated to your lineup, right? Those are the things you'd be thinking of strategy-wise and less so, like, who's going to do well? Because you have projections. Like, you have a range of outcomes. Here you go. Who knows what's going to happen on one specific game. But uh, but obviously, like, those are the three things. One, two, three. On your fingers. On your fingers. And hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Okay, let's see. Shane Riley asks, uh, what's the best way to reevaluate your process to make sure it's correct versus just catching bad luck? Go through results DB like this. Like these, these are these are all top DFS players, for for at least large field GPP type players. Maswa, Tinky, Tyler, Brick, DeColt, E. Hafner, all the all these guys. So go in and see what see how they built lineups. You could use Results DB. You could go through individual lineups if you want. I, I a lot of times I do, but this is a good representation of their constructions. And go through and say, did I construct lineups similarly to some of these guys? Now, they did different things. Like, we take a look here. Like, they all didn't do the same things. You know, we have uh, we have uh, Jimmy Butler, right? Bills fan, try to get a ton of leverage at small forward with Jimmy Butler. That game blew out, so that didn't matter. He also had 76% Dwayne Bacon, right? So, I mean, he that small forward position, he filled this way. Small forward position, and for other people, they filled a different way. They're all different types of constructions, but good lineups to build. How did they get different? So if you see that you're building lineups in similar directions of top top uh, GPP players, then it, it's less likely that you had bad luck on the slate that like, nope, nope, you just didn't get there. If you see that you're wildly off from, from most top players, I mean, yeah, it could be that you're playing way too contrarian, but then, then it's more likely that, okay, let me reevaluate my process. Okay, going through, going through GP, going through. Uh, Chris Clark asked, what was my starting bankroll when I first started DFS? $400. October 2015, 
I had $400 in my DraftKings account. Now I have 200000 And I've won, uh, the, what, 350000 overall? But of course, obviously, the tax man takes a bunch of it. And then obviously expenses and stuff. So, so yeah, yeah. $400 into three hundred fifty, dollars $360,000 over the course of five years. Uh, it's doable. I started, I, I played the quarter arcade. You know, I, I do, for people that don't know me, Five years ago, I was playing the dollar contest. I was playing, the, you know, the, the quarter arcade and learning how to play. If I look at myself uh, five years ago, I'd be like, oh, that guy was an idiot. Hey, if I look at myself from a year ago, I think, wow, that guy didn't really know as much as, <laughs> as as he thought he did. And then I know a year from now, I'll be thinking, yo, the guy that was on the DFS pregame show on Tuesday, January 6th, that guy was that was, guy was kind of an idiot because a year from now, I'm I'm probably going to know and get better at things that uh, that I, I'm not doing as well uh, now. Okay, going through the chat. Uh, Donnie Watson asked about why did so many pros fade Pritchard? Because his minutes went down. Like, his projection didn't, like, pop as much with him not start. Like, if you could project him for 30 to 32 minutes, like, yeah, then, then, then he was fine. But if you're only projecting him for 26 to 28 minutes, he's meh. Right, he's a map play, right? So, so that that's the difference. It's not a matter of like you know, like what what Pritchard's usage was going to be about the same, and his minutes were going to be about the same as 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 he previously had. So it's not going to change all that much. If he started, then you could at least yes, his usage goes down, but his minutes go up. Okay. How am I computing for eight times value? Well, I mean, I could show you on our projections right here. Uh, we have uh, on lineup HQ, this is where, obviously, the projections were updated at, what, 10 o'clock in the morning? I mean, don't even go by this, right? This is a premium product, okay? So you have to you have to go to rotogrinders.com slash premium. Click the link in the description for $10 off uh, your first month of Rotogrinders Premium, whether it be NBA or the combo package. But in lineup HQ, it shows the projections, but it also shows this figure we see here. Let me blow this up. Let me blow it up. Zoom in. Zoomy zooms. Give me the thummy thumbs for the zoomy zooms. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so... Why, why am I treating you like uh, I'm talking to a like a six-month-old? But uh, we have this, this thing. Uh, Jamino has what's called smash percentage. And that based on these numbers. So essentially, uh, this number right here, is the median projection. So that's the 50th percentile outcome. It doesn't mean that we think that he's going to score 24 points today. No, just that if we played this slate over a thousand times, the middle result would be 24. You'd have some 12s, you have some 36s, you have some 8s, you have some 26s, you have all over the place. It's simulated out. So, but his median would be 24. His 16th percentile outcome would be 11. His 84th percentile outcome would be 35, Right? So 50% of the time, he gets 24. 14, uh, 86% of the time, he gets at least 11. 14% of the time, he gets at least 35. So based on this, what's called a, a distribution curve, right? If we take a look, I'll, I'll give you a lesson. We'll talk about a normal distribution curve. Now, these curves aren't necessarily completely normal, but they're normal enough. So if we take a look here. Like right here, this is what a projection looks like. People see a number. They don't get it. This is what a projection looks like. So that 24 is right here, right where my mouse is, right over here. Let me blow this up even more. Can I, can I get this? 
Like, let's see. Okay, whatever. It's small enough. So that 24 is over here. That 12 is over here. Right? Right over here. 30. This is a 68% range. So 11, 12 over here, 35 over here. And then you have very outlier results this way. So this is really what a projection kind of looks like. Okay? So if we go back to lineup HQ, we're going to calculate what a $3,700 player needs to score in order to likely be in a GPP winning lineup. A lot of times people compute that as like 5x plus 10, or it could be 7x, it could be what whatever whatever your, your version of what a smash score is, you could put that on that distribution curve. So where, where does a smash score, so how much does he need for his salary for a $3,700 player? If you say he needs it right there, well, then that's what percentile outcome he needs. So basically it's saying his 64th percentile outcome is a smash in GPP, which is a 36% chance. So he's a 36% chance of getting a score that would be needed. Kyrie Irving, 51 point median, 33 point floor, which is the 16th percentile outcome, 70 points for the 84th percentile outcome. Where on that curve, right? 33, well, we have 33, 51, 70. So right in this range. So where does this smash? Where, where, where does he smash? 34% of the time. And you could do that. You could do that. It's computed for you. You could do this in Excel if you want, right? If you make your own projections, you're most likely doing this already. You're simulating it out. And within one standard deviation, what's the range? What's the median? And what percent of the time does that player hit a score where there's the flame emoji and you're in the first place lineup, most likely. So it's a little little math lesson for you. Because people don't get it. People think that, like, oh, it means that I, it means Roto-Grinders thinks that Jokic is going to score 57 points today. Like, no, just based on, based on projections, he'll score 57 points 50% of the time, right? 50% of the time he won't score 57 points. He'll score something lower than that. So it's not it's not a prediction. It's a projection. Going through the chat, hit the thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold. Keep my apple juice cold. Let's see how cold it is. Okay, not bad. Not bad. You're doing well out there hitting those thumbs ups, right? It helps us out. I'm, I'm told it helps us out. I have no idea. The, the YouTube gods come and visit me every day and say, you need you need more thumbs. You need more. Th- I, I only have two thumbs. I I, I, I play on, on multiple sites. I, I'm on my phone all the time. How many thumbs do I need? I don't know how many thumbs I do. I don't even know how many thumbs I need. Let's go through. Uh, Wall Street Russ says, I consider myself a decent DFS player, but I've been running really bad over the last year. Has that happened to you? Yeah, of course it happened. But this past year it happened to me. How do you handle it? By managing your bankroll and being keeping yourself sane, reevaluating your process. Don't necessarily change things dramatically. Reevaluate. There's so many things that you could do if you're studying every day, which is what I do. This is why I do this show. Look at the Results DB as part of my normal process. I've been doing this for five years. Results DB didn't exist five years ago, but I would download CSVs of contests and study good players' lineups. Not the winning lineup, but good players' lineups. And that's how I learned. I didn't just get this out of the way. I didn't invent these concepts, right? 
I'm like, well, these guys are good. What are they doing? I played poker. So a lot of the concepts from poker apply to DFS. So I was like, okay, how do I merge those together? And by studying top players, that's what I was able to do. And then reading good content that you find on Roto-Grinders, there's a ton. You don't even realize. You don't even realize how much good content there is on Roto-Grinders in the back catalog. There are strategy articles from eight years ago that are applicable now that you could learn how to play well in DFS now. There are videos like there's no tomorrow. You could probably watch on Roto-Grinders. In Roto Academy, we have tons of premium videos, 50 hours, 60 hours worth of videos on NBA DFS, on MLB DFS, on NFL DFS, using optimizers, using the tools, strategy, all those types of things. They're all in the back catalog. You could watch a video from three years ago. It still applies today. The strategies don't change. The concepts don't change. So if you sign up for Roto-Grinders, rotogrinders.com slash premium, or in the link in the description, uh, you got uh, get $10 off your first month. And hey, use it for a month, watch all the stuff, and then cancel if you want. If you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. You get as much as you can out of that month as, as you want. But th- that's how I learned. I mean, <laughs> I was a Roto-Grinder subscriber before being, being a host here. So like this, this is how I learned. I mean, th- I learned from Roto-Grinders. Okay, let's go through chat. I'm way behind on chat. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I see you guys. Hi, hi, Brian Taylor. Where you go? Went with Warriors Kings. Yeah, that didn't work out. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Blender, did I make a mistake with keeping Holmes I and Capella? I know Curry, but I leverage his ownership with Wiggins. Okay, that that's not that's not that's fine. I did that in a lineup or two. Right? I played Wiggins instead of Curry. You play Wiggins with Holmes or Wiggins with Barnes. No, I get that. I think that's perfectly fine. Capella is reliant on rebounds, so you don't necessarily care about scoring in that game. So I think Capella as a one-off is perfectly fine. I don't Matthew, I don't think you did I don't, I don't think you did anything wrong. There's nothing strategic in there that doesn't make sense. Right? It's NBA DFS. The correlations are so weak that if you don't want to stack people together and do those things, you don't have to. But, I mean, when in doubt, 50-50 scenario, do I play this guy or this guy? Typically, I side with with the uh, the more correlative, keeping the guys that are in the same game opposite each other. Uh, QQ from Donnie Watson. Uh, I played Wall in single entry. The pros did not. Why was he a bad play? Because they, he didn't project well. Essentially, essentially, that, essentially that's, sometimes that's the answer. In the comparison of the nine-game slate, Wall did not project well, that's that's the best answer I could give you, right? With everyone back for for Houston against Dallas, I mean, you could have played him, but there was there were many other better projected point guards on the slate, especially on a slate where we had plenty of guards to play. So is it, is it yes, he he could reach a ceiling, but his his ceiling probability, his smash percentage in our projections was was significantly lower than other guards, right? It was somewhere like twelve percent, something like. Uh, biggest tip for new NBA players other than be available at the lock. Uh, well, that 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 probably is the best tip, Brian. Brian, you be available up the lock. You have to be available after lock also. That's, a, that's another tip. But I mean, the biggest tip for new NBA players would be uh, NBA is the lowest variant sport in DFS. And like, if you're not using projections, you're dead. I mean, uh, virtually. And, unless you're playing small field Cash games. If you're playing small field single entry, 
or cash games, if you're playing the 400 man 777 or something, or you're playing, you know, uh, double ups or something, you could, I, you could, you, you don't need projections to identify like the most inefficiently priced players most of the time. I could do it by eye myself, right? Most of the time, I, before I even look at the projections, I could, I could kind of build the best cash lineup or somewhere close. But outside of that, like, it's the most projectable sport. So if, you, if, if you're not using projections, then, like, you're, you're significantly behind the field. So, so that, I would say that would be my number one tip of just, so out of all the sports to not have projections, NBA hurts you the, the, the most to not have them. Because it's, it's baseball, you get a lucky home run. And t- touchdown in football. Like, those type of events happen where, out of the blue, a guy gets a lot of points. But you don't get that in basketball. So it's much better to, you know, project minutes, project usage, project everything. And if you don't do it yourself, at least, you know, subscribe to a site like Roto-Grinders that has a great team that, that does it for you. Let's take a look at the chat. Brian Schrader's asking about the Discord. Yes, I'm always in the Discord. If you sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium... I'm in the NBA channel like half the day. And you could at you could mention me, ask me strategy questions. Don't ask me one V ones or two V twos. I'm just gonna tell you to look at the projections. But uh if you wanna talk, a lot of times, maybe not during the slate, but like in the mornings, like in the afternoons, like two o'clock or something, like, oh uh, can you take a look at this? Was this a good idea? You know, those types of things. Or late at night, sometimes one in the morning, someone's like, Well, I thought about doing this and we we talk about strategy a bunch and less so on, you know, who's gonna crush tomorrow. So feel feel free to join us. I'm in there all the time. Uh, let's see. Let's see the chat. Oh, Corey Stevens asks, how does DK determine when a player gets a flame or a snowflake? I think it's 5.5x. I think it's 5.5x on how, on how the thing determines it. But, I mean, obviously that's just a visual display. It doesn't, doesn't matter, right? It's a, it's a way to say that your guy is on its way to having a great game or had a great game. But outside of that, like, who knows? They, maybe they'll lower. Maybe they'll make you feel better by lowering it. If they made it 5x, more guys would have flames. But then you then you have the complaints, right? When the chalk smashes, right? You, you know the slice where the chalk smashes, and then people, like, don't even cash with 340-point scores on DraftKings? It's like, I got all flames, and I didn't even make any money. Maybe they want to avoid that. Maybe, maybe that's the reason they keep a certain threshold. So it doesn't look like, you know, oh, you had a great lineup, but... Uh, Take that thumb, take that thumb and put it right up you, you know where, right? And now that you're taking your thumbs, hit the thumbs up button. Let's see. Going through the chat. We got a lot of chat. We got a lot of chatters here in the morning. That's good. And not as many trolls, right? So so this, this is what we do. If, if I missed your question today, just come tomorrow, right? We literally didn't even talk about today's slate, right? We're not, I'm just going through stuff. If you're in the YouTube chat, you're my priority. Okay, I know people listen on pod. If you, if you, this is going to be on every day, Monday through Friday. I know, like four months from now, people will be subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Search for DFS pregame show on iTunes. Rate and review. Uh, they're going to be tired of me answering the same questions over and over again. It's like, didn't you answer this two weeks ago? Well, if people are live in the YouTube chat and they need help, I'm here for you. So it could be about yesterday's slate. It could be about today's slate. It could be about strategy in general. It could be about anything. This show is what you make of it, right? Brandon Kegel asked, what are the concepts from poker that carry over to DFS? Primarily thinking in terms, thinking probabilistically and expected value. Like, 
Like all the poker is, is expected value of, am I getting the right price for the probability of this event happening? That's what, pretty much that's what poker is. So you have to think in terms of probabilistically. Most people in DFS, you see around, oh, Donovan Mitchell is going to do great or do badly. Like, well, it's not 0% or 100%. It's like, what, what percent is it? That's, that's why I look at the projections. It says here, like, let's go to Donovan Mitchell. Based on our current projections, and I always have to say current because these things could change. Donovan Mitchell, 7,400 today. He has a median projection of 39. Uh, he has a smash percentage of 25%. So 25% of the time he puts up, uh, you know, a big score, 50 plus points, something like that, right? Well, actually, you know, it's almost near his ceiling. So about 50, 50, 49, 50 points. Okay, so... Th- this is what I mean by coming over from poker. It's like determining on whether or not a flush will come in on the next card. Like I can't determine on this specific card. All I can know is that it's about four and a half to one, right? There's, there's, there's nine hearts left in the deck and there's 46, there's 46 unseen cards. So that's the probability. Whether or not it happens on this specific hand, I have no idea, but I know what the probability is. So that's, that's what these numbers are. So thinking in terms probabilistically, I don't, that's why when people ask me, it's like, do you like Donovan Mitchell today? Like, I'm, I don't know, what does like mean? What does favorite mean? I know that he has, based on our projections, he has a 25% chance of, of smashing. And then, then people will ask, well, do you think he smashes today? Well, that's like the same as me asking, do you think the flush comes in on this hand? Like, how the hell am I supposed to know? I don't, I can't see the back, I, I, the cards aren't marked. I have no idea. So once you start thinking in those terms, that, like you would in poker, you you tend to play DFS much better because you're not locked into, you know, thinking about, well, this guy has a great matchup and this thing's going to happen and whatever. It's like, nope, I got numbers here. D'Angelo Russell, he'll smash 30% of the time. He'll be X-owned. Is it worth playing this player at this price for this ownership? And that's what poker is. The same thing as, do, do I call a $100 bet into an $800 pot for my flush draw? Right. Well, I'm getting eight to one on my money from the pot, and it's a four to one, four and a half to one chance of it happening. So I'm getting paid more than the probability of it happening. So I should call. And then, but if let's say the guy bets it's an eight hundred dollar pot and he bets six hundred dollars, right? So now I have to call six hundred to get fourteen hundred. So that's like two point two to one. Well, it's a four point five to one chance. So I'm not getting the right odds. I'm it's the probability is less than what I'm being paid for, so I should fold. Very similar in DFS, when you're looking at players on an individual level, and even lineups in general. Does this? How much chance does this lineup have to win this contest? Is it worth me you know, playing this lineup in this contest? Is the probability higher than what I'm getting paid? So that, that's expected value. Poker players do it on like literally every hand. Every, every round of every hand. So imagine playing five years of poker, playing 30 to 50 hands an hour, depending if you're playing online, and 40 to 60 hours a week. Like, your, your, mind, your mind just works in expected value, like, all the time. So then when you get into DFS, we see so many former poker players or current poker players that are great at DFS. It, there's no, it, it's not a coincidence. It's, it's because of, of that mindset. You're already thinking probabilistically, and now you're applying it to a game that is also based on probabilities. Problem is, is that it's not like a 52-card deck. So it's like this, the probabilities aren't like concise of like, you know, it's nine out of 46. Here, you're using projections to kind of like estimate it. And then obviously your projections could be off. So like 
these percentages. It may not be 30%. Maybe it's only 27%. Maybe it's 33%. So you can have some fragility in, uh, in, in what the probabilities are to begin with. So it makes it hard, kind of obfuscates it a bit, right? So people don't understand that it's a game of probabilities and not a game of sports. Uh, Neil asked, where do you find the top players and see what they do? You can go to rotogrinders.com slash results DB. It's free. You don't even have to be a premium member. So that screen, the screen that I had up before, like the screen, you can go to any contest you want. See, I can go back to the slate. Here's the nine game slate contests. I can go to any of these contests. They update it throughout the day with more contests. All the public ones. I could go to $600 Mega Man. I could go to $8 Excellent Eights. And you could, you could even search for your own lineups. If you cash in a contest, in one of these contests, your lineup will be there also. You'll see a name. So if you want to go see a name, go to rotogrinders.com slash results DB. Matthew Hampton asks, do you ever intentionally build lineups with players from later games to allow for later news that may come even if the projections are a few point lower? Yes, I do that sometimes. Especially where, if we're expecting late news, right? I think the other day, there was a day where LeBron, like LeBron's always going to be questionable now, apparently. But I think LeBron was questionable and there was the early value was like, eh. And so I was like, you know, maybe I can play Schroeder and Davis. And worst case scenario, yeah, I play Schroeder and Davis. But best case scenario, they, they become great plays. So I think on that slate, I built a lot of Schroeder and Davis into my lineups, knowing that I could easily swap from them because, you know, that was like a 10-30 game. And I would still have like the 9 o'clock. I still, there was still like three or four other games that I could choose from. So yeah, there are times. It's, it's a judgment call. It's not a type of thing of like you always do or you don't do. You just look at your constructions and go, go. I'm going to play a lot of chalk if I don't like find a way to get different. And I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I'll take a shot on this Lakers news. And, uh, and obviously it didn't work out, right? I ended up playing Schroeder and Davis and, and Schroeder got there a little. But uh, but I didn't have to swap. I mean, they were also low-owned. So it's like, by that point, my lineups were kind of duddy as it was. So it's like, there's no, like, yeah, Schroeder is going to be 4% owned, and I have like 50% of them. So I'm automatically different. So if I need leverage, it's there already. So I didn't have to switch. Okay, let's see. Uh, am I setting rules to not have two players from the same team because of negative correlation? It depends on their prices. Mark Smith. It really depends on their prices and their roles on the team. I typically don't have two players that play the same role, that come out for each other, that kind of play the same role, like Bagley and Holmes. Those are the types of players I don't like having together in the same lineup because they eat away from each other. And then it also depends on price. So like when Kyrie and, and Durant are both, if they were both 10K, like it's hard for both of them to get 60 points in the same game. It could happen, but it's less likely. So really, it depends on the price. But if you tell me Kevin Durant is 4000 and Kyrie is 10000 then yeah, sure, I can play them together because Durant's median is going to be like 45 points. 45 points for 4000 that's perfectly fine with me. So it really depends on the price. As the prices come down, the negative correlation doesn't matter as much because you'll see that their, their smash, you know, their projection is going to be so high regardless if they're negatively correlated. Going through the chat. we got a couple of minutes left. If you've you got any questions for the last couple of minutes, feel free to, to put in the chat. I'm scrolling through. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get to as many as possible, but I'm also trying to be as helpful as possible. So uh, let's see. When looking through your projection, okay, this is a decent question. Uh, when, when you're looking at your projection, what's your point per dollar threshold to be considered bad? It's really in relation to the slate. 
There's no like, but there's no like, oh, I'm not going to play a guy that's here. 4.94 right here. Nicholas Batum. Can't play him. It, you have to think in terms of lineups. Like if I just built 12, 20 lineups right now, this is just, uh, just the best whatever. You know, we get a, a Koji and Zubach and we get a bunch of, like, I'm just like, Daniel Gafford is in one lineup. Where's that Daniel Gafford lineup? In the top 20? Here's a Daniel Gafford lineup with a 273.98 median. Okay? So 273.98. The top median is 275.93. So it's two points below. And it has Daniel Gafford in it. Okay, with a 17-point projection. So that projection is like what? 5.2x? Which is not great. But the lineup is actually not bad. So I think the best way to put it is that there's no such thing as a threshold on a player. There's a threshold on a lineup. If this lineup was 260, I'd be like, okay, then that's a significantly worse lineup than that that first one that's up here, 275. But this lineup, you'd be like, well, that Gafford lineup, like, how do I play Gafford? Well, it makes sense in that lineup. So I don't want to necessarily exclude players that are that are badly projected, but not like, to the point of stupidity. Like, most likely, like, we go by point per dollar here on Lineup HQ. Like, most likely, the guys down here, the guys with uh, Xavier Tillman, right? They're not going to appear in lineups anyway, right? A 1.5X, like, like these, uh, even the 3X guys, Wesley Matthews, like, it's going to be very hard to make a good lineup with any of these players because their projection is just so low. So they're unlikely to end up coming in in decent lineups anyway. But once we get into like the the four, the mid fours and stuff, okay, because these guys at least have some ceiling, right? We have some 18% smashes here, 16% smash. We got something here. At the bottom, we got like zeros. So like, they're not going to show up in lineups anyway. So I don't even have to worry about them. But it's kind of these guys in the four range that maybe you can build. See, Jamal Murray in our projections is only a 4.8X on on DK, but he has a 21% smash percentage to get what? over somewhere around 54 points or so. So you can still play him. You just have to be cognizant of the lineups that you play him. So it's not... Yeah, I always say in the in the Discord, and I say in the, in the theory of DFS class, if you want to take my audio masterclass, 15 hours long, you can go to theoryofdfs.com, uh, you buy it. Uh, it's me in your pocket for 15 hours. All these concepts, all in one place. You could People have listened to it like three or four times already. Right, you go through, you listen, you build lineups. You listen, you build lineups. You listen, you know, you listen a week later. You w- l- w- listen in the car. Go, okay, maybe I have to do that a little bit more. Uh, but I always say lineups, not players. Right? It's not about if you play Jamal Murray. It's what lineup do you play Jamal Murray in? So let's say, for instance, based on our projections, I lock him in. I just say I want Jamal Murray. Okay, and build twenty lineups. Remember that top median lineup was two, like seven ninety five. Okay. So the best lineup based on our projections that Jamal Murray can be in is 271.78. So you'll be giving up about four points in median in order to play him. Now, if he's going to come in at 2% owned, then maybe it's worth it, right? You're getting a lot of relative value. And you have to look at the rest of the lineup. Maybe you don't want to play, maybe you don't want to play four nets in the same lineup, but this would be the best projected lineup. Let's look for, here's one with three nets in it. So here's a 271.54 lineup. Irving, TLC, Jeff Green, Gobert, Murray with the, and that's kind of correlated. Murray with the two uh, Wolves, with Zach Levine, 
Like this is like to me, this not, is not a bad lineup. You're sacrificing about four points in median, and you're you're still able to use Jamal Murray. The reason why you're sacrificing median is because Murray doesn't project all that well. You're getting Murray and then all the best projected players around him. Obviously, we don't have ownership yet. We don't have projected ownership. So you'd look and say, how contrarian is this lineup? The more contrarian it is, the more median points you're willing to give up. So I think I think the, the, the key is to highlight the fact that it's not about pick necessarily picking the players. It's more about picking the lineups and then what, what players fit in those, those types of lineups. Going through the chat a little bit more, going a little bit of overtime here for the, the YouTube chat people, because as I say, you're my priority. Especially if you give me the thumbsy thumbs, right? I got to mention that a million times. Hit the thumbs up if you're getting a lot out of this. I think this has been a very helpful show. A lot of times, a lot of times we get questions about today's slate, right? Who do I play? What do I do? Things like that. This was a little bit more of a, you know, basic statistics class, kind of, you know, going back to basics types of things. And uh, hopefully it, it helped some people that uh, may, may not be viewing DFS necessarily in this analytical and mathematical way that, uh, that I do. Uh, X Factor is asking about RGV. People never un- seem to understand what RGV is. RGV in our projections is just the plus minus value of their, of, of the salary adjusted value of the player's projection. So uh, a 10.8 Jokic, his salary expected value that you would need a 10.8K to just like make value, like not have a flame emoji, just be able to give you enough points for his salary for his raw points would be somewhere around 49, okay? 10.8 player needs to get about 49 to not have a snowflake, right? It's kind of a, RGB is the not have a snowflake plus minus. How much is his projection, meeting projection over that? Well, it's 6.8 points over that. RGV is a good way to find good value for a raw points perspective. So it's a plus minus value. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, that this guy is better than this guy. You can't really compare players that way. Just that how many points over expectation for his salary is he projected? For the median, right? Because we look at Jamal Murray. Where's Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray is negative in that column. But I mean he could still smash. Right? We have Dylan Brooks, 27% smash, but his median is about a point lower than expectation for his median. But in, but you care about medians for cash games more so than, than GPPs. So like, according to this, I would look at this and go, well, Dylan Brooks looks pretty good as a GPP play if he ends up coming in at, you know, if he ends up coming in at 3% owned over here, which it probably isn't, right? We get ownership in later. Like, I don't care that his RGV, come on, get out of here. I don't care that his RGV is, 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 is lower. Because he, he could still, 27% of the time, he, he could crush. Joe Ingles, 28, 21% of the time. I use smash percentage more for GPPs. RGV more for like cash games type of thing. They're typically related, right? Every All these things are related. Someone's projected well. Most of these figures are going to be good. But you can get all these projections by signing up for Roto-Grinders. And I know people are like taking screen captures. Like, oh, I want to use their projections. These things, uh, th- th- we're going to have an update. This may not even be the newest update. This is a 9.58 in the morning update, right? The projections team, Noto, Tuttle, Jamino, Meansy, SBK, Reeves, Alan Lem, like they're, they're in the Slack chat right now. Um, some of them discussing minutes, you know, they'll be changing things throughout the day. 
Let me get let me find one final question in the chat. Uh Brad Schrader asked about the Discord link. Uh it's on the Rotogrinder site. You can look up at the top navigation, you'll see Discord. You click on it, it opens up. I'm not the technical person. Email support at rotogrinders.com if you have a problem. Uh let's see. Is there an ownership percentage to smash ratio you're looking to looking for? It's all in relation to the lineup. So no, there's no specific. But obviously you're looking for someone's smash percentage that's over their ownership. Like in general, that's a broad concept. If a guy has a 30% chance of smashing, they're going to be 2% owned. I'm probably going to play a lot of that guy, right? Right? Way over the ownership. So like, that's the concept. Is there a specific number? No. But that's the concept you should be doing and building those into a lineup. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see for questions. I have, to, I have to be very picky since we're very at the end of the show. Is there a video on RG that goes over building groups and making rules? Yes. If you're if you're a premium member, I have I I did I think one or two videos where I literally go through my entire process, like it's like an hour or two long. Uh, so I, I mean I've had some videos if you go to my YouTube channel that I've done for Roto Grinders that sort of there, but there's an MME process video that like me and Britt did last year that it's literally the whole process. And yes, on a day-to-day basis, it'll change slightly. But that, but if if you're a premium member, you'll you'll that's all in that video archive. Like like I said, the video archive is like worth its weight in gold. It's not it doesn't weigh anything. But I mean, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Going through chat, going through chat. I know the the podcast people are like, damn, he's gonna be singing going through chat a lot. Uh, let's see, let's see. Just because I skipped over your question doesn't doesn't mean I I don't see it. I know I see a ton, I see a ton of questions. I'm gonna be on every day, people. Okay, <laughs> this is this is this isn't the last time. So if I don't get to your question, it doesn't mean ah oh, you're never gonna answer it. It's like no, I'm I'll just type copy and paste and put it in tomorrow, right? Uh, do you go through your trim down player pool and lock players at all when building line? I typically don't lock players, but I will do things like I just showed you now. Mm, Murray's interesting. Let me see what lineups look like with Murray in them. Let me see what lineups look like with LeBron James in them. With Jamal Murray and LeBron James in them and see and compare them. So that's what I'll be doing throughout the day. Like, I don't research stuff like, you know, matchups and I don't research any of that type of stuff. I'm researching lineup construction. Going, okay, well, if I play this guy and this guy together, what's the best lineup I can make? What's a different lineup I can make? Or is that good enough compared to other types of lineups? And then I take out Jamal Murray and put someone else in. And go, let's say I want to stack these two with that guy. What do the what do the lineups look like? Do I have to pay down at center? Yes. Apparently I have to pay down at center. I can't jam in Jokic into those lineups. Okay. Now I put that in the back of my head. Going, okay. I have to compare that type of lineup. Because there can be a thousand different lineup types. And I have to determine which types of lineups am I going to build on this slate. So that's what I do throughout the day. Not like every minute of the day, throughout the you know, throughout the course of the day. I mean, most of the time you have to wait until the 5.30 p.m. Eastern Injury Report for anything to matter anyway. So don't get, don't get locked on to something. Okay, I'm, I'm all the way down to the bottom of the chat. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and Big Willie says there's a group making video on the group tab on RG. Okay, so I, I guess there are some free videos on how to make groups in Lineup HQ. But obviously, you can't really use Lineup HQ unless you're a premium member anyway. Uh, but yeah. And uh, single entry, people talk about single entry strategy. It's the same thing. 
There's no difference between playing multi-entry, a single entry, you're building one lineup, building 100 lineups, same thing. Build good lineups for the contest that you're in. Just understand that in single entry, typically there are smaller fields, so you don't necessarily need the nut-nuts, and uh, the, the ownership gets tends to get more condensed. So while when ownership comes out for Roto-Grinders, this will be for like mostly large field. So if we see a guy that's 30% in large field, he may be 50% in single entry. So you have to weigh that in the back of your mind. But other than that, you're still you're building the same lineups. It's the same types of lineups, just for a different field size and a different ownership. But the, the, the concepts are, are exactly the same. And Drew DP says, Blender's Roto Academy video on lineup HQ is for NBA is very informative. So yes, you could pick that up. You could pick up the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, my 15-hour audio masterclass at... Uh, at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, it's, uh, it's me in your pocket, so it, it, it's timeless. It's evergreen content. It's the complete game theory of daily fantasy sports. Any sport, uh, it applies everything, right? It's the same as, as I was talking before. So, uh, so yeah, so a little bit of overtime today, which is fine. There's no shows coming on after us, so we're, we're fine. You can tune into Grinders Live uh, at 5.30 and then Crunch Time for premium members at 6.30. So uh, so hit that thumbs up button on your way out. This has been the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.